and welcome to a very special bonus episode before we kick off season three next month. There's going to be three bonus episodes uh, leading up to season three premiere where I'm going to be rounding up my favorite books, TV shows, and movies of the year. I'll be trying to stick to a top five, but as you'll see in this episode, I'm probably not going to be doing, probably, oh, I'm probably not going to be doing a great job of speaking and sticking to a top five, <laughs> uh, which is pretty, uh, pretty typical on both fronts, really. This episode will also be pretty consistent uh, in terms of genre because I like what I like when it comes to books and my favorites are largely YA and they also tend to be fantasy YA. So that's just how it's going to be. Um, but there will be probably a few more different genres sprinkled in. Uh, I, I tried <laughs> to pick a couple others and then the TVs and movies will definitely be better in terms of variation. So let's dive right into the list of my favorite books of the year. This list will be in the order of being read, as I couldn't possibly rank them any further. And these books are Firekeeper's Daughter by Angeline Booley, The Legendborn Cycle by Tracy Dion, The Murderbot Diaries by Martha Wells, The Daughter of the Moon Goddess by Sue Lin Tan, the Scholomance Trilogy by Naomi Novik, and there will be a bonus number six, of course, uh, and that is Lore by Alexandra Bracken. Yes, they are also pretty much all series, so I don't know what that says about me, um, but yeah. Let's start with Firekeeper's Daughter. This book is by Angeline Booley, like I said, and I'm not going to go into too much detail about it because, like most of this list, I did do an entire episode on it, uh, season one, episode 10, but just in case you didn't listen to it, which is highly likely, let's just start with what it's about with a quick, quick summary. This book is a YA crime thriller slash murder mystery. It follows Donis Fontaine, a biracial, unenrolled tribal member, as she tries to uncover the truth behind a murder, a criminal drug enterprise, and her own family's history. Why I loved this book. Uh, for a book that isn't my typical genre, again, mostly YA fantasies, a murder mystery slash crime thriller type of book. Instead, I, I really just instantly fell in love with this book. It did have a few critiques, which again, you could find out in that aforementioned episode, but overall, I just thought it was such a compelling story and a compelling read. I really loved Donis' character, um, and I really liked finding out more about her culture in general, but also specifically through her eyes of kind of, you know, being half in and half out of, you know, her community. Uh, learning more about the OGBA life, you know, their language, their social aspects, all of it was just really, really interesting. Uh, like I mentioned in that episode, and I'm sure elsewhere as well. Um, it's always interesting when you learn more about other cultures that you're not necessarily a part of um, and that you can kind of find out more about them through the eyes of someone who's a part of that community. I especially found it really interesting to hear the story of a girl who felt torn between two different cultures, you know, unsure where she fits, and following that storyline that kind of almost divides her more and really tries to help her or even hinder her, um, really in some aspects, to try to figure out who she is and where she fits in that world, kind of towing that line. 
I also thought it was really written quite well, um, not even taking into account that this was a debut book. Uh, I thought it was well written, period, but the fact that it was a debut novel just makes me more blown away by the writing. Um, it was really great, and the story, while you know very complex and dealt with a lot of different things, it was not overly so, and it was still very easy to follow along. And I really enjoyed reading, you know, all the twists and the turns that came up in the book. And, um, yeah, it was really good. So I would definitely recommend it if that's the genre you like. And even if you don't necessarily like that genre all the time, uh, I still think it was a great book. Next up is The Legendborn Cycle by Tracy Dion. This second book just came out last month and I, much like the first book, completely devoured it. <laughs> Um, and of course, because I love the first one so much, I do have an episode dedicated it to it. Uh, that's season one, episode 28. I swear I didn't set out making this list based on the books that I've done episodes about, um, but that's kind of apparently how it's turning out. Uh, I also may do another episode on the second book, uh, because I really, really loved the second book and I loved, uh, how much further we just got into the story. Dion did not falter at all when it came to the second book in this trilogy, and I loved it. Just a quick summary, uh, this book, Legendborn, is an urban fantasy YA, and it follows Brie Matthews, a 16-year-old girl who is still grieving her mother's recent death. As she starts a residential program for bright high schoolers at the UNC Chapel Hill, she begins to realize that there may be a whole other world that she had no idea about. And as she starts to uncover this new world, she also begins to realize that her family's history may be more entwined with it than she had previously thought. And that's basically all I'm going to tell you. It's also a bit of a, an Arthur retelling as well, so it's got a lot of kind of, you know, Arthur legend stuff woven through. Um, it's, uh, it's so much more than that, but I don't want to give too much away, <laughs> so I'll leave it there, sort of. Um, what I liked about this book uh, more of a simple list to say what I didn't like. This book really just has everything. <laughs> it's got magic, legends, overcoming grief, facing generational trauma, romance, nicknames, you name it. Uh, what I loved about Legendborn is just really amplified further in Bloodmarked, the sequel. Dion has an incredible way of mixing the fantasy with the real world how she mixes this kind of Arthur retelling with the generational trauma and systemic racism that many black people in this country have encountered and continue face is really just jaw-dropping amazing. <laughs> uh, I think she does it really, really well. Uh, and the second book just dove even deeper into these themes and it created such powerful and emotional scenes that I literally found myself verbally rooting for her on more than one occasion. And it was just such a powerful book. And it continued to be more powerful in the, you know, in Bloodmarked, the sequel. The journey Brie travels from the first book to the end of the second is just intense. <laughs> uh, and I just can't say enough amazing things about these books. Uh, but I do need to stop myself because I will probably take up way too much time on a book that I have a full episode about. Um, but I will say, real quick, that I love Cell. <laughs> I am a Brelwyn shipper. I don't 
even know if that's the ship name, but I'm gonna push it because I like Brelwyn, and I'm just rooting for either a romantic or a re platonic relationship. I genuinely don't care which one it is, I just know that I love their interactions, and I really want more of their interactions. So, let's get more Brelwyn. <laughs> Next up is the Murderbot Diaries. Uh, again, I've done a, a brief episode though. It was a, um, an episode where I did a few different things, so I didn't talk about it too much in too much detail. Um, but the Murderbot Diaries is written by Martha Wells, and the episode you can find me talk a little bit more about it is ep episode 10 of season 2. So season 2, episode 10. But a quick summary first, uh, the series is about an artificial construct designed as a security unit which manages to override its governor module, thus enabling it to develop independence, which it primarily uses to watch soap operas, but also sometimes saves a bunch of human lives as well. What I liked about this series was that they were quick stories with only one full-length novel. I loved how fast they were, but that the quality of it was not lost due to their short nature. Um, if you're interested in a very well-written, quick, funny sci-fi story, then this is for sure the series for you. Um, Murderbot is an amazing narrator. Also, speaking of narrator, I highly, highly, highly recommend the audiobooks as Kevin R. Free does probably the best job I have ever heard in the audiobook world. Um, he's just fantastic and really... I want to say brings Murderbot to life, but I don't know if that's technically accurate, um, <laughs> considering he is not really alive. I don't know. Um, but yeah, definitely recommend the audiobooks. Murderbot is straightforward to the point, and he's very much aware, or it's very much aware of how dumb the majority of humans are. These books aren't heavy on the world building, but I still think you get enough that you get a fairly well-rounded view of it. Wells is also really good at making Murderbot speak in a way that is very much computer-like without making it unreadable or hard to understand or follow along. And I really love how all the characters are written from the eyes of Murderbot, as he is our narrator. The books are 100% written in his voice, except for the extra super short story, Home, which is from Mensa's point of view. Uh, and seeing the characters from his eyes just kind of adds to the humor, but we also get snippets of information from them. So I really like what we get from them. Um, and again, it's, you know, we may not get a ton of well-run characters, but it just fits with that narrating style so well that it doesn't really matter, um, that the worldview is kind of limited. And the information, again, like we get, it's 100% in line with Murderbot's character, so definitely okay with it. Next up is The Daughter of the Moon Goddess by Sulin Tan. I finished reading Daughter of the Moon Goddess uh, on my honeymoon in October. It was a rainy day, so after exploring for a bit, my husband and I decided to go back to the hotel where we were very dry. Um, and he played a game on his laptop and I got to finish up my book. So it was the perfect day, made all the more like amazing by how good this book was. Uh, I'm currently reading the second book, Heart of the Sun Warrior, so I can't speak too much about that, only that I am liking it so far, and I think it's written in the same vein as the first, so that is a good sign. 
the last episode of season two, which was episode 13, also included a little bit more about this book, but it was also like a kind of an amalgamation of a few different things happening in that one. So it wasn't a super long episode, but a quick summary. This is a fantasy that is also sort of a YA um, book. It has some mythical elements to it as well. It is the myth of the goddess of the moon, but I think she throws enough in there that it's probably not a strict retelling, um, maybe along the lines of like Lunar Chronicles where she used bits and pieces of the story, but it's not necessarily 100% true to it. It follows Jing Yin, I think I'm saying that correctly, who is the daughter of the moon goddess, and after many years of living in seclusion with her mother and their friend slash attendant, the celestial empress pays them a visit, and Jing Yin's whole world gets turned upside down. Forced to go into hiding to remain a secret, she finds herself working in a celestial palace in the celestial kingdom. Desperate to return home to her family, Jing Yin must keep her identity hidden while she gets closer to the prince, Li Wei, I think how you say it, and find a path to set her mother free. What I liked was just everything, <laughs> again. Uh, the writing is absolutely phenomenal. I really, really love her writing style. Tan has such a way of making the narrative so incredibly beautiful without it feeling overwhelming or too much or sick, <laughs> like too sickly sweet, you know? Uh, and the writing style fits really well with the overall story. The tone of the book is set um, not only with the plot and um, the actions of the characters, but it's also really set with the writing style. I read The Girl Who Fell Beneath the Sea by Axie O just a couple books after this, and while I did love the story, I thought it was super cute, and it is a standalone book, and I also kind of sneaky in here as a recommendation. <laughs> um, the writing was really well done, and I, I do kind of regret reading it so close to this book because I wanted it to be written in the same kind of way that Tan wrote uh, Daughter of the Moon Goddess, that kind of beautiful flowing almost poetic language that she uses because the girl who fell beneath the sea was written well but it wasn't that same kind of you know floral language <laughs> not overly flowery but you know i mean tan's writing was so good that it genuinely lingered <laughs> into the next few books that i read after it so um so i tried to keep her words out of my head so I could read this one and, you know, give it a fair shake. But yeah, I really like Daughter of the Moon Goddess and the Heart of the Sun Warrior that I'm reading now is still that same beautiful language, still the characters, you know, that we know and love. And I'm really excited to see where this one goes because I genuinely don't know um, what's going to be happening. So I'm excited to keep reading and it is a duology, so this will be the last book, which is nice. Duologies are the best. Speaking of not a duology, <laughs> the next book was the Scalamance trilogy. I think it's pronounced Scalamance. Um, I, oh my god, I love this trilogy, you guys. Uh, the Scalamance trilogy is written by Naomi Novik, and it was genuinely hard to put down. Like, I didn't put it down. I read the first book on a Saturday, I finished the second on that Sunday, and then because I unfortunately had to work, uh, I wasn't able to finish it until later in the week. I think it might have been the, towards the end of the week, but definitely a bummer, but I read it as much as I could 
and uh, since I have not done an episode on them, I will do a longer summary of that first book, A Deadly Education, so that you can get more of a feel for it, and I may also do an episode later on on the whole trilogy. Uh, So the summary of A Deadly Education is that it's set at the Skullamance, a school for the magically gifted where failure means certain death, for real, until one girl, Elle, begins to unlock its many secrets. There are no teachers, no holidays, and no friendships, save strategic ones. Survival is more important than any letter grade, for the school won't allow its students to leave until they graduate, or die. (laughs) The rules are deceptively simple. Don't walk the halls alone, and beware of the monsters who lurk everywhere. Ella is uniquely prepared for the school's dangers. She may be without allies, but she possesses a dark power strong enough to level mountains and wipe out millions. It'd be easy enough for Ella to defeat the monsters that prowl the school. The problem? Her powerful dark magic might also kill all the other students. So, what I liked about these books... um. Oh, first, uh, the next two books in the trilogy are The Last Graduate and then The Golden Enclaves. Um, and also, I can definitely see how people may not like this series, because much like Murderbot Diaries, this trilogy was 100% written in the voice of the main character, Elle. I think Novik did a phenomenal job of keeping it written in her voice without it feeling maybe like extra... like dumbed down or childish to me it read as Elle speaking to me because there were bits and parts of the book where she actually is directly speaking to you and I really liked that I felt like Novik knew the rules of writing and knew exactly when and how to manipulate those rules to form either drama or make more of an impact or, you know, accomplish whatever goal she was trying to accomplish. And I, I thought she did a really, really good job. Like I said, I devoured this series. I really loved the dark academia vibes, the super interesting magic system that Novik creates. And I genuinely liked the characters and the story that she uh, puts out for us. This book had similar vibes to Vita Nostra by... I'm never going to pronounce this correctly, but I will give it a go... <laughs> Uh, by Marina and Serhii Diachenko. Um, Vita Nostra had a bit more abstract and purposely hard to understand magic system. Uh, At the time that I read the first book, I didn't see a second one had been translated yet, but I found out there's now going to be one on March of 2023, so that's super exciting, and I'm going to check it out. Uh, But anyway, I had the same vibes of Vina Nostra, and I was really, really into those vibes. I loved the darkness of it, that the magic was from the power of words, and that Elle was completely unable to perform the most basic of tasks with her magic constantly going to the extremes. It was like Kyoshi, where it was hard to do small things, but she was just real great at the kind of end of the world type of stuff. I also really loved how she tied everything together at the end. Um, It felt like a very cohesive story that she, you know, knew what she was writing ahead of time, you know, maybe made an outline or two, Um, because what a a great trilogy. I really loved it. Uh, This series felt like it was written for me, uh, including architectural drawings at the end of each book. So while I read the first two as library ebooks and the third as an ebook that I purchased, 
uh, because I did not want to take the time to have to drive all the way down to the bookstore to buy it. I'm still really considering actually driving all the way down to the bookstore and buying all three just so that I can look at the drawings some more. <laughs> Real quick, I do want to mention a bonus book. Um, I wanted to include this final book earlier on when I was creating my list, but I think the list that I was creating, it, it wasn't just about books that I loved, but books that I thought were super well done and that I had very little complaints. Um, pretty much every single book that I've mentioned, the complaints I did have for it or the small minor critiques were really just small and minor. Maybe nitpicky, maybe that I didn't like a certain thing. But overall, I thought the books were really well done and really well written. That being said, I think Lore by Alexandra Bracken was a really good book, but it was also a book that fell maybe a bit heavier into some of the YA tropes, and it had some things that I really had to kind of overlook because I was just enjoying it, you know, almost on a guilty pleasure level, but like not quite. Like almost guilty pleasure, but it wasn't a guilty pleasure. Because the writing wasn't quite at the level that the books that I've mentioned, you know, in this list were, it wasn't quite as polished as them. So I'm adding this as a bonus book instead of, you know, on my top five, because I did really, really enjoy lore, but it still wasn't at that level quite. Um, and I also did an episode of lore back in episode one, episode, or season one, episode 14. So I'm just going to say... If you don't mind a more YA read and you loved Percy Jackson and Hunger Games and you can kind of overlook some maybe not great writing, then this is the book for you. It was a super interesting plot, had, you know, a little bit of romance but not too much, and it had lots of action and adventure. And that concludes today's sort of short <laughs> episode, uh, bonus episode. Next week, I'll be doing my favorite new shows uh, that I've watched. Either they're new to me or they came out in 2022. And I may also, depending on the time, include some of the shows that I've continued that were my favorites. You know, things like Stranger Things or that I, were on before, but they came out with a new season or I finally was able to catch up or something like that. We'll see. Uh, after that, we'll talk about some movies, which again will be a mix of new to me movies and new in 2022 movies. Then we'll be right back into the swing of things with the season three premiere. Super excited about getting back into it and excited to really just, you know, hang out with you guys again. Thank you so much for joining me. You can find me on Instagram and Facebook at Mixed Media Reviews Podcast. <laughs> Please leave me a comment to let me know if you agreed or if you have any suggestions or what your top five were. You can also find me anywhere you find your podcast, probably. Please join me next week where we'll be talking about that top five favorite TV shows of 2022. Have a wonderful rest of the day. Bye.